Welcome everybody to Unleash Your Greatness. I'm Adam Platt. Today we're going to be discussing the school system and what we can do to help our kids be more successful with my guest, Rosalba Serrano uh, McFadden. So we're going to jump right into that episode after the intro. The question people often ask themselves is, is there more for me out there? Am I capable of more, of doing more, being more, and having greater success in this life? The answer to that question is yes. I believe that everybody has greatness within themselves and that success leaves clues. And if we can take those clues, we can unlock the greatness within ourselves. I'm Adam Platt, and welcome to Unleash Your Greatness. Welcome everybody to Unleash Your Greatness. I'm Adam Platt, and I have got a special guest on today. Her name is Roselba. Serrano McFadden, and I hopefully I got that right, but you got it, you got awesome. it. <laughs> uh, those who watch the show know I'm horrible with names, so uh, I, I'm yeah, hopefully I got it okay. But uh, so Rosaba Ros, Rose Alba is a uh, elementary math consultant, and she's based in New York. She is the founder of Zen Math, where she provides tra- online training and coaching for elementary math teachers. And she has a mission to help students, teachers, and parents see the potential, their full potential, and unlock the mathematician inside of themselves. And I'm excited to have uh, you on today, Rosa Elba. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. So um, I I really appreciate, uh, one, you coming on the show, and two, your mission with helping kind of change the... I guess the, the landscape. (laughs) Yeah. Good. That was, that was the word I was looking for. The landscape of how we do education in our, our school, our public school systems and and probably all school systems. But, um, you know, you're on a mission to help improve that, to kind of help change that landscape so that we can more efficiently teach our students, our kids, how to be more productive and more, uh, successful in life because the world is changing. And sadly enough, education has not really changed much in the last like 200 years. Really. Not at all. <laughs> we just have more tests. Right. That's we have more what... tests. We have uh, more homework, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my wife and I, we have five daughters and we get, we get honestly kind of fed up with some of the homework and how much homework we have. And, and some of it is, is meaningful and we can see why it's there. But some of it is just, it's just tedious and it seems like it's more of a battle um, as parents, you know, doing it with the kids. And I'm sure parents, like teachers, unfortunately, their hands are tied, right? In so many ways on, because they're dictated on what they got to teach, how to teach it. Uh, if they don't do it, they lose their job. And, but um yeah, and just, that's what I think I'm working towards is to kind of be the little math rebel, the little person in their ear saying, no, <laughs> we can change it. It can happen. There's a better because way. Adam, you're right. I mean, it's been the same for years. And uh, you had mentioned like it, it, we really want our, our kids to be successful. Right. And I think yeah. what successful meant decades ago is very different than what successful means now. Right. Um, right now we want a society of critical thinkers and problem solvers. And back then we really, the, the point of our success was to be in an office from nine to five 
and right. to compute and to do data analysis. And it, it was very different, the landscape back then than it is to now. So education kind of has to shift in that direction too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, back in the day, you wanted this, these kind of rounded individuals, which is good. Like you want, you want kids to experience a little bit of everything so they can find what they, they love doing and what they want to go into a profession or some kind of a, you know, if they want to go into higher education, what they want to learn about. But I think, you know, back in the day we wanted to, you know, you had to teach all these, you know, basic things so they got a feel for everything. And now it's like, like you say, we, we need the critical thinkers. We need the people who can think outside the box and, yeah. and technology and just the whole involvement or evolution, I guess, of the world is, it, it's changed the landscape of how business is done, how, uh, I mean, pretty much everything really, uh, like you say, we don't just need people to go in and, and crunch numbers or type stuff on a keyboard exactly. all day. Right. And I, I always try to encourage teachers because I think that there's like a learned helplessness there, right? With teachers, we have mandates that we have to stick right. to. But I also think that we can make change and build reform around some of these things. I always encourage the teachers I work with, you have to allow students to draw, to color outside the lines. They have to be able to do that in order to create their own masterpieces. You know, when you and I went to school back in the day, there was no such thing as a social media manager. Right. <laughs> that was not a thing when we yeah. went to school, but that is a career that exists now. So we generally have to prepare kids for situations that we don't know, positions and jobs that we don't know will exist in the future. Like we can't predict what is going to be the next phase of what technology looks like or our society looks like. But what we can do is really, you know, um, support them in being problem solvers. So then that way, when a position like social media manager comes up, they've tinkered enough to figure it out and go yeah. down that career path if that's what they choose to. But it's right. about providing them those opportunities to, you know, draw outside, outside the lines. And I don't think we allow kids to do that. And I think schools don't allow teachers to do that either, right? Because we have to follow pretty much a rule book and, and yeah. stick to it. So we're often caught doing the same thing that we're doing to our students, which, you know, is unfortunate. It, you're so right. And there's, oh, I've got all kinds of questions swarming around in my head right now, just because of that little bit that you just said. Uh, I, I love the fact that you said that, you know, back in our day when we were students, there was no social media managers. And I actually had that very discussion just yesterday on, I was on another person's show. Um, he, he does a, a live show on YouTube and he brought that up. He's like, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a wrestler and a, a comedian. That was his thing, right? And he, he does do that, but then he's also a podcaster as well. And, and he has a show on YouTube and he's like, when I was a kid, that didn't even exist. Like I didn't even know I could do that until now when now all this technology and everything has opened all that up. And I think it's that way with anything, you know, uh, podcasting, YouTubing, uh, you know, there's, you know, kids that play video games and make millions of dollars because they just stream them playing video. I mean, there's so oh, many yeah. things. That, well, my son is striving for that one. That, <laughs> that's what he's kid, working towards currently. <laughs> I think almost every boy in America is probably striving for that one. They want to be ninja, right? Uh, <laughs> that's 
but that's you know things like that just didn't exist and and you know things like DoorDash and you know technology has allowed so many companies and it it is those visionaries who see those things who have are willing to color outside the box to say hey you know what I see this gap and I see this technology is caught up to this gap that now I can create this company this business this lifestyle around it so things like DoorDashing and Airbnb and I mean uh, Lyft like Lyft is the biggest taxi service in the world or Uber biggest taxi service in the world and they don't own a single car like they don't like (laughs) how ingenious is that right like it's a totally different take and it all stems from just being innovative right right i mean if you think about these like you call them problems you know it's not that it was so you know it wasn't you know think about uber i mean uber is a perfect example of that that's not like a critical earthly problem <laughs> that right, we need right. to tackle, but that was a problem, right? Sure. I mean, it, it, it was an issue and someone found a way to address it and made a lot of bank from it, you know, make some right. good money from it just because they found a small problem that existed in the world, you know, and, and we really want our kids to see those small ones and even the larger ones and kind of strive for that, for, for tackling some of the, the larger issues as well. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree and i think uh like you say we 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 try to box kids in to like this is how things is this is how the world is this is what you got to learn this is what you've got to this is how you have to do it and like you say like we we create this culture or this atmosphere of of you can't think outside of that box you can't look at like what are other solutions that we could come up with and it I just, I love stories of, you know, these companies like Airbnb. My wife was telling me about Airbnb the other day about how these guys started it. Like they literally uh, were going like to a conference or something like that. And, or no, there was a big conference that comes to their town. It was like these three or four guys at all room had this house together or something and they couldn't afford their rent. And so they're like, oh, there's this big conference coming together. Why don't we just offer to, and all the places were booked. So we're like, we'll just offer to have people pay us to come and stay at our place and we'll go leave for the weekend or whatever. (laughs) Oh, wow. I didn't know that was a backstory for that. That's so interesting. And so like every year they would do that. And then they just like, you know, we can create like a, a company around this. And now they're the biggest real estate owner of, uh, you know, uh, what is that rentals i guess and they mm-hmm. don't own a single state of real estate like there's nothing they own right amazing and amazing. it's just like thinking outside of that box is so critical and and math is one of those things i think that takes that innovation right like math is it, it doesn't change a lot like the principles but looking at things differently and and seeing it differently and and just their overall uh teaching of our children, I think is so critical because I'm sure you hear this all the time, but the way that math elementary math is done now is not the way I did elementary math. Like my kids bring my math homework to me and they're like, I need help doing this. And I'm like, okay, this is how you do it. And they're like, that's not how my teacher told me how to do it. I'm like, well, that's how you do it. And they, they try to explain to me. I hear this multiple oh times a day. You know, it's, yes, it's I like, do. It is the profession. <laughs> so, because if you, you know, teachers even say it as well, right? Yeah. Because we didn't learn it. We have to teach it, but we didn't learn it that way either. Right. And I think that's why math, you know, always has this really bad rep because we're, we're taking it as how we learned it, how we understood it. 
And math has been proven to be very difficult for some people, but I think it's because we concentrate on the wrong aspects of it. If you think about what math really truly is, it's really all about problem solving. Yeah. It's not about step one, do this, step two, do this. It's not about memorize this formula, memorize this. I mean, that's how we went to school. We went to school where it's like you memorize this formula and this calculation right. and get it right on the test. And then you kind of like forget it later, right? Yeah. Like it's like you really don't use it again. But what we're trying to do differently now is really get kids to, again, think deeper about the context so it matters. So it's not just step one, step two, step three, but like, okay, what's going on in this situation and what can we do to figure this out and solve it? Because those are the societal questions we'll be asking, right? right? Yep. All right, there's this, you know, climate issue or whatever, I don't know, make something up. How are we going to figure it out? How are we going to solve it? The same societal questions that we ask are really the questions we want to be asking in our math classroom. But unfortunately, because math has gotten such a bad rap for so many years, yeah. it's hard to kind of like unlearn our habits when it comes to it. Um, and I, you know, I, it's very difficult. I always say this everywhere I'm on any podcast interview. My job is very difficult because I have to convince people to love math <laughs> and yeah. I get, I make it happen. It works. I make <laughs> it happen, but it's a, it's a, a road. It's definitely a journey we have to go on. And I think something clicks for people when you start telling them, Hey, it's not about, you know, a, B and, you know, doing it like this, a, B and C it's like, no, 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 go about it in a way that you feel is best. And let's figure out if it works or doesn't work. Yeah. And that's what the classroom should look like, where we're given like all these opportunities for kids to figure out stuff um, and not, you know, copy me, do as I say, kind of like that. Yeah. You know, again, it's letting them kind of cr be creative and think outside the box themselves. Um, yeah. But we never think about that when it comes to math, because we feel math, no, math is in this box. Right. And this is how <laughs> we solve things and we can't leave it. <laughs> so uh, that's what I'm trying to kind of break break free from. Yeah. And I love that. And I think, so for me, math was, uh, always the topic or subject that I actually kind of got, like to me, that made sense. I, I, when I was young, I had a learning disability and so reading and writing and spelling were really hard for me, but math, like just made sense. Like numbers made sense to me. And so, uh, I guess, you know, I've always had kind of a special place in my heart for math. I, I think it's it's fun. Like story problems are a little bit difficult because I just didn't read well. But uh, for math itself, like algebra, like equations and stuff was just fun. And, and that made sense to me. Uh, where I really didn't like math, and I'll be totally honest here, is geometry. I, mm. I just did not like geometry because I got into geometry and all of a sudden it was like, you got to learn these proofs and you got to, you know, do all these, this proofs, uh, you know, proves this and this and this. And it's like, ah, I just didn't, like, it didn't make sense. And I hated geometry, but later in life, when I actually uh, got into construction, I started doing tile and I had to use geometry because, you know, the mm -hmm. room and the, and then I'm like, oh, that kind of makes sense. I learned the golden <laughs> triangle and, and you know, different things like that, that really did make sense. Uh, I'm like, okay, geometry is cool. Like you can, you can use, and we use math all the time. That's a thing, right? Like, yeah, if people just realize like what the, like higher level math, you probably won't use every day. You're not going to use calculus unless you're an engineer or something like that. 
but really we use math all the time and it really is important. So. Yeah. And I think, I think that's something that needs to be brought to light kind of more often is that, you know, you have, it's so it's the norm is for people to say, Oh, I'm just not a math person. Mm -hmm. I'm just not a math person. That is a, a very uh, general response that we get from the public. Right. Um, but then they, at this, in the same breath, will be like, well, I'm a musician and I'm an artist. Okay, wait, hold on a second. Those do require yeah, math. Yeah, for sure. um, so I don't think we realize that how much we apply math in our everyday life. And yeah. that's our goal in kind of sharing that with our children is for them to see it early on. So they see that math is really, I'm not saying this because I'm a geek about it, but it really <laughs> is beautiful. You know, it's in nature, it's in music, it's in stories. I mean, Shakespeare's sonnets literally are, are written with a mathematical <laughs> format, um, which is amazing, you know, so people that value literature, I mean, there's math in there. I, I always say like, there's, there's uh, math and like, especially like raps, right? like rappers, right? They're in the beats and their counts. Yeah. So Tempos it's surrounding and... us, but we don't, we don't see it. And I'm hoping that, you know, if we kind of just shift our mindset around that and we see it and how it can apply to our everyday lives, then people will build more of a, like a respect and a passion for it, right? Because once they see how it actually affects them. And I think we lost that when, you know, when you're in a math classroom sitting in rows and kind of just doing all the odd problems in the textbook, right? <laughs> and then not peeking in the back to get the answers. Yep, like yep. that's boring. <laughs> that's not fun. Um, but if you, if you connect math and art, right? If you take a piece of art and say, okay, let's find all the symmetry here yeah. and let's find the angles or the rays and things like that. Like then it becomes something that students could possibly connect to, you know, if they're artists, it depends on, you know, what they right, like. Right. Um, but I can tell you, no matter what background you have, or you, you know, what things you're interested in, there's not, I, I guarantee you, there's not a person out there that says, you know, I really loved math class when we sat in those rows and like did all the like 20 something problems in the textbook. And, oh, I love getting all that for homework and like struggling through that for hours. There's not one person <laughs> that would ever say that. Um, but what we could do is find the people that had those positive experiences, like you're sharing with the construction. I mean, that is something that you found math in and you saw, Hey, I can relate it to something. Right. That's what we want. We want it to be relatable. Yeah. I mean, when I do tile and I still do uh, a little bit of tile for friends or whatever, if they need some help. And, and I, I actually really do enjoy it every once in a while. I thankfully I don't do it as a uh, living anymore. Uh, I was much younger when I did it back then and, and my body was a little bit, um, you know, stronger, but when I do it now, it's, it, it is fun because there is so many angles and math when I do that, you know, you know, how do I, how do I get the tile in this corner and how do I cut it? And, you know, I use 45s and 22 and a half degree angles and I have a speed square that, I mean, it, it actually is really I mean, it's quite basically fun. like a big puzzle, it is, really. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, it's just like a, a hands-on puzzle that you have. Right. I mean, I probably wouldn't advertise it like that to people that want tiling <laughs> done. Like, I'm going to just start this puzzle out some type of way in your bathroom. But right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, it, and you're right though. Math is everywhere. And, and you can see it, you can see it in art, you can see it in music, you can see it in poems. I mean, you know, the, the rhythms, the saunas, the, 
uh, you know, music, the, the beats, the, all, all of it, it, it's all math. It's all mathematical and, uh, it, it's, it's definitely everywhere. And, and you're right. I, there's very few. I, so I will admit, I probably do know a few people that probably did say I loved sitting in math class. Like it was, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I worked in the aerospace industry. They're all engineers. They're, they're <laughs> like super geek engineers, but, um, I would imagine some of those guys that I worked in the aerospace industry for years and knew tons of engineers. And I, I would say that there's a number of them. They're like, you know, numbers are just like, that's their life. Like that's all, especially software. Like that's all, num- that's all software mm-hmm. is, is yeah, yeah. a bunch of numbers. Right. So, <laughs> um, anyways, uh, but you're right. There's probably very few people. I know I didn't have like, even though I, I got math, like it was not like my favorite thing to sit there and listen to the teacher try to show us how to do equations mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Right. Hey, it's Adam. Real quick, I just wanted to jump in here and let you know that if you haven't set goals, right now is the perfect time to set those awesome goals that you want to go after, those dreams that you want to accomplish, those things that you want to do in your life, create the lifestyle that you want. Right now is the perfect time to set those. And I have this new ebook that I just created. It's called Seven Step Goal Setting Workshop. And you can grab a free copy. It's usually a $47 value, but you can grab a free copy today at arisetoconnect.com slash goal setting. And in this book, this ebook, you're going to learn how to evaluate priorities, how to create successful goals and simple hacks to manage your goals. So again, this is a free copy right now, the seven step goal setting workshop ebook that you can grab right now. And I hope that you go out there, you'll grab that copy of your, this free book and start setting those amazing goals so that you can create the life that you want. And now let's jump back into the episode. Um, so I, I, and I totally see the importance of math and I, I, I don't, I guess I want to shift the, the conversation just a little bit and focus on like education as a whole. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's really what your purpose is, is trying to get, although your, your focus is math, you're trying to change the focus on how we educate our kids and how we get them excited about, about what their future holds and how to be more successful. And I think there's this, um, and, and I'd love to pick your brain on this because, uh, like I say, I, I dealt with, uh, a learning disability when I was young and my oldest daughter also had a learning disability. She had to go into, um, what we call resource in here in Utah. It's like, uh, I think other people call it special ed or, or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, she had to have help for a, a little while in elementary school because she just wasn't catching on as fast as the teachers wanted her to with reading and, and things like that. And I had the same problem and I, I eventually got, to a point in my life where it, it just started clicking. It just made sense. Like things just started coming. But I think so oftentimes we, we look at kids that are maybe a little behind or a little bit slower and we're like, they're going to fail at life because they're not getting it. And, mm-hmm. and it's because their, their test scores don't reflect what, you know, the school standard says they should be at and, and things like that. And, and it's kind of frustrating from a parent's standpoint. My, uh, we have twins. We have, like I say, five daughters and our youngest are twins. And one of my twins are seven. 
she got sent home with paperwork and they're like, we want to do all these tests on your daughter because we feel like she has some maybe learning disabilities. And we're like, okay, she might have a little bit of slower time like I did when I was young, but it, the things they want to test her is like, we want to test her hearing. We want to test her communication skills. We want to test her. And we're like, she doesn't have any problems in those areas. She just is bored. Like she really is just bored. If she doesn't find what you're talking about interesting, she zones out. She does that to me and my wife all the time. (laughs) Uh, But I guess like, I just want to kind of pick your brain on like, what, what can parents do in that situation when they're like, they're being told like your student is behind your student is, is not where all the other kids should be. And they're probably, they've got ADD or they ADHD or whatever. And we, we need to have them tested or I don't know. Like, I'm just, it's kind of frustrating from a parent standpoint. I have actually a couple of thoughts on this from, from a couple different sides that I'd I'd love to share. I'm glad that you brought this up. Um, So let me backtrack a little bit. I want to start off with the way I went to school. And I think I shared this with you um, previously. Um, But so I grew up in foster care and group homes. Personally, I didn't have a very good uh, home environment. So I was moved into uh, that setting. So, I mean, imagine I'm already a Latina, right? I'm in not a good home setting. I am bounced around from uh, foster care to group homes, right? Yeah. So school was hard for me. Absolutely. School was very hard. Um, and what ended up making it harder is that the adults that surrounded me, like you mentioned earlier, really had a negative deficit mindset about me. Oh, she's never gonna catch up. Oh, she can't. She can't possibly do that. She doesn't have good home structure. Mm. She can't. Blah blah blah. So I've I've heard that as a child. I've heard that yeah. for many 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 years. Now here's the issue when it when that happens, and it's and I'm I'm not shifting blame to teachers, but I think this is language that us as adults in general have to be mindful of. Yeah. What we say to kids can make or break them period. It can, you can just like, you can uh, change someone's day just with one word. What like one kindness, you can change a kid's life by the way you treat them. Right. Mm -hmm. And we can be the nicest people in the world, but when we're using that deficit language, like the kid can't and they can't, and they need help and they're always struggling. Kids absorb that and they make that as their identity. They decide at nine years old, oh my goodness, these adults are saying this about me. This has to be the way that I am then. And then it takes us so many years to work work on ourselves to undo that as adults. (laughs) Um, So I'm very particular and very careful on how we talk to students and talk about students because of the impact that it has. And obviously, I mean, they were wrong because I came out of that knowing math really good, really well, right? And now I share all of that with the world. So clearly my teachers were not correct, but it took me to have faith in myself to get to that point. Because technically being a kid in foster care, the statistic of me, so uh, it's, I think it's 2.3% of kids in foster care actually graduate college with a master's degree right. or a graduate degree. I can't remember which one. 
I mean, statistically, you should probably either be dead in jail or living on the streets, right? That's exactly it. Those were my options. You named this. Did you pull up those stats, Adam? (laughs) (laughs) No, but that is, I mean, that is a common thread. It is. With uh, foster kids and, and, and just, you know, lower income, single family or single parent homes, like, and obviously single parent homes where the, this, or at least there's a parent, they're probably a little bit more successful. But um, if you're like low income, uh, single parent, you know, living in, you know, subsidized housing, your chances are so much less. Uh, uh, your ability to succeed is so much less, right? And, Absolutely. And foster care on top of that is even worse. Like Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Because it's not even your, it's not your housing. It's not your, and especially if you're bouncing around, right? right because you right. don't know where you're going to be or where you're going to end up. Yeah, there's no so stability. it's so important for the people. You're, you're absolutely right. Those were the three options that I had. I mean, the statistics should be showing me the other way, <laughs> yeah, but I, sure. I really pushed myself to, I mean, I literally grew up saying, I don't want to become this statistic. I know what it should look like. I don't want that for me. And then once I started having children, then I was really like, oh, this definitely can't be me because I have to show them something different. So I I share that story only because of what I know that's my personal, um, you know, interaction that I had with school and my personal experience. But I do think that this applies. If you look at the current status of education, I think this applies overall to kids even nowadays. Mm -hmm. If you talk about kids in that deficit mindset, that they can't do it, they're always struggling and not embracing their strengths. My strength was that I can speak multiple language. A teacher should have been embracing me for that because they may right. have only ha- have one and I came in with three. So, so that's an asset, right? That's something to be proud of. That's something that's needed now in the workforce, right? To speak multiple right. language and, and languages and things like that. So I do think that we're still struggling with that piece in education where we're constantly going about and grades do that and test scores does it to us. We're constantly focusing on the kids not being able to do something. And what we're doing there is we're dimming their light. They come into school so excited, like, oh my goodness. I don't think there's like little kids that actually hate going to school at first they're excited to get a backpack right and like who's my teacher (laughs) i'm gonna have a classroom of friends you know they're so excited and then take a look at high school seniors their whole light has dimmed (laughs) they're not having fun in school they like to socialize but we lose the love of it along the way and i think it's because we're dimming their light we're constantly telling students you know, they can't do something or they're struggling with something. And then we relay that information to parents. Like you're saying right now, how, you know, the school that your, your um, children are in are saying that, you know, they need testing and, and you're right. Maybe there is some support needed. That's fine. But I think when we have conversations with parents as educators, we also need to provide strengths as well. What is your daughter doing right now? That's really awesome. You should be hearing about that too. And your daughter should be hearing about that, right? Because that's what gets you to build confidence. And, you know, I always say this as adults, we buy so many self-help books, right? We listen to a bunch of podcasts. We do so many things as adults to learn how to have confidence. We had that early on as kids. 
when we were really young, we would wear outfits that didn't match. We would just run it. You know, like we were as kids, you like exude confidence and then society gets in the way. And then we slowly start comparing ourselves to one another, competing with one another. And then our confidence kind of falls back and diminishes. But if we just hold on to that and we, we, if we keep kids in that setting of like, you're awesome and you can do this. And this may be kind of hard, but you'll get through that too. I think that would really shift education if we actually started treating these kids as if, as they deserve it, I guess, you know, and not as, you know, they're just a score for me. And, you know, this is just a a grade that they represent. I hate grades. (laughs) I'll tell you that right now. I know a lot of educators don't like that I say that, but what happens when you get a grade? You, you, you identify as that. Oh, I'm a C student. What does that even mean being a C student? In one class, you could be a C. You can hand in that same work in a different class and that teacher may grade it as a B, but you've already determined, you know, what type of person you are based on a grade. So I struggle, I struggle with that piece when we start affecting children's identity based on the conversations we have around them or about them. Sorry, I went on a, on no, a rant. No, no. <laughs> I'm very I, passionate about this if you can't tell. No, I, I'm, I'm so glad you brought so many of those things up. And, and that really is what I wanted to kind of pick your brain about because uh, you, you're exactly right. Grades, they don't tell the whole story. Definitely not. Uh, sure, there's some, I guess, lead indicators there of uh, how a student may be, but they don't tell at all like the full picture. Uh, I know, I know kids who are brilliant when it comes to academics, but their social skills are awful. Like sure. They can, they can ace a, um, you know, a math quiz or they can, you know, write a, a, an awesome paper, but, they can't look someone and then dalt in the eye and, and hold a conversation for more than 30 seconds. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And then I know kids who are awful, like my daughter, like my, my twin who maybe she doesn't come across as like, you know, she's, she does struggle with reading and we know that. Uh, and I, again, I feel like it, she kind of probably is cursed with my, my ability a little bit. And I think things will start to click as she gets older. But um, she's super creative. Like she's super smart. She sits down and she can, she can create things and make things. And uh, you know, she's she's just creative. And there's so many people in history that if we judge them on their academics or their accolades, we would have and 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 they believed what people said about them that they were stupid, they were dumb, they would never succeed. There would be so many things we wouldn't have in this world. I mean, I love the story of Thomas Edison, who his mother got a letter from the the teacher or the principal or whatever saying, your son is too dumb. We don't, he can't be coming to school anymore. Like we refuse to teach him. And Thomas Edison looked at his mom and said, what, what does the note say, mom? And she's like, you're too smart and too special to be at that school. So I'm going to teach you now. Like (laughs) she just totally changed it. And and from that point on, he's like, I'm smart. I'm, I'm brilliant. And, and he, he went on to become one of the most brilliant minds in our, you know, in the 19th century, you know, creating all kinds of amazing things. Same with so, Einstein too. He yeah. was socially awkward and he had yeah. terrible grades, honestly. Yeah. And I mean, what, is there a day that goes by that he's not mentioned at some point in our world? I mean, it, it's, oh, yeah. it's massive. 
yeah. the influence. Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, I, even oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say I, I think I, I love the fact that you brought up that grades don't they don't identify with what that person can accomplish in life. Because I'm sure when you were young and you were in foster care, you probably didn't have great grades. Oh, I had terrible grades. And look terrible at you grades. now, like you're successful, <laughs> you're out there, you're, you're creating this movement and spreading your message that uh, math is important and that there's a better way to teach it. And it's so needed. So, um, yeah. And can I, I just add something to that? It's, it's interesting because in college I worked really hard to get perfect grades. So I had very, I was so close to a 4.0 <laughs> and I really thought that proved my success. Like, Oh, I yeah. made it, you know, foster care didn't tear me down. I I'm, I'm successful. I got all of these perfect grades. And then I went into teaching and realized, wait a second, when I went to college, I was just mimicking whatever the professors were telling me to do. I wasn't being creative. I wasn't being innovative. I was just following rules very well. <laughs> and then I got those grades. It wasn't until I got to teaching where I was like, whoa, I don't want to be this person in my classroom. Mm. I want the kids to shine. What yeah. I want to do is use my platform to bring up their excellence. So even though I had all those amazing grades in college, I really like left school and I was like, uh -uh, I'm not doing any of that stuff. I'm going to do it this totally different way. So yeah. that's awesome. And I don't think there's anything wrong with, with setting goals and, and, you know, striving to be as good as you can be. Right. Like I, I did the same thing when I was getting my undergrad as I'm like, I'm going to work my butt off and do the best I can. Cause I think, I mean, my kids look at my grades from like junior high and high school and they're like, cause I'm always at them. Like I have one daughter who just, she's super smart, but she just doesn't like to do the work. And, uh, so she doesn't have great, great grades usually at midterm. And we're like, you got to get your grades up, got to get your grades up. Cause she'll have like F's and D's and stuff. And, and then like the last week of school, she pulls them all up and she gets like B's <laughs> and we're like, see if you just did that all term long. But anyways, but she'll look at my old my mom saved some of my old report cards and stuff. She's like, dad, you had D's and C's and stuff. And here you are all after me saying I have to get grades. I'm like, yeah, but you're, you can, you can do it. I know you can do it. Um, but the thing is, is I had horrible grades when I was in high school. And so when I got into college, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm uh, kind of like you, like I'm going to work my butt off and get good grades. And I did, I didn't have a 4.0, but I ended up graduating like a 3.93 or something like that. So, um, pretty, pretty great, um, for a kid who probably most people looked at in elementary and junior high and whatever grade school and thought that I would never go on to getting probably even a high school diploma, but, um, wow. but yeah, it's like this, it's okay to push yourself, but mm -hmm. At the expense of what, I guess, is, mm -hmm. is the question. Um, if you're doing it just, just to, and it, again, I, I guess I'm kind of torn because I can see both sides, right? Like, like grades don't matter, but at the same point, like you can, you can strive to be good at that. If you, but if that's your, your desire, right? And I, and I agree with you, but I do, I think that I, I totally agree. I'm not saying throw grades out the yeah, window. Yeah, yeah. I think they're ridiculous, but 
But I think that where we're really losing sight of is what you're saying, like that strive for. We don't Mm -hmm. give kids something to strive for because everything is bloody boring. School (laughs) is boring. (laughs) I mean, honestly, if you ask your daughter, the one that's pulling those grades up, I'm sure she's able to do it, but she's probably bored to death, you know? So I, I think that if we made it something that's excitable for them, right? And something engaging. That's why I always talk to teachers like, what is going on with them currently? What are your kids into? You can make problems around that. My son is, you know, he kind of has no choice, but he's pretty good at math. My youngest one, <laughs> um, you know, kind of makes sense to math teachers. Yep. Um, but he, I, I'm going to say it, he is absolutely bored in school. He hates it. And he does his own ways of, he's not copying what we do. I mean, the way he subtracts, I'm not going to get into it, but it's a whole other thing that I don't even know what he's doing, but it's, it's correct. I just don't know what's going on there. Right. Um, but I just find ways, you know, we tie the math in at home because we just talk about the stuff that he's doing. Like you were mentioning before, they're so into video games. So my son is like on Fortnite all the time. Yeah. I don't know if you're seeing that a lot, but (laughs) Uh, so we just make problems about, you know, how many, I think they're called like skins you can get in the game and don't ask me how to play the game. I don't really understand it it either, but but, (laughs) so, but I'll, I'll talk to him about it. And then we just kind of make up situations with that. He loves Minecraft too. Mm. Minecraft is great for math. Yeah. So imagine if we brought in those pieces into schools you know, then kids do have something they want to strive for. I, I always relate it to puzzles. People, if you put a puzzle in front of a person, there's two reactions you get. Oh, I hate puzzles. Those are too hard. I can't figure it out. And then, you know, they'll, they'll like go over the table and be like, you know, they'll play around a little bit and a little bit. And then you get that internal passion or whatever it is. You get this internal bug that's like, mm, I want to finish it. I want to finish whatever this is. It could be a Sudoku in a paper, you know, it could be a genuine, you know, just plain puzzle. That's the feeling we want to give kids in math, like we, or in school in general, right? It's just enticing them with something, but so that they then get the urge to be like, yeah, I want to see this through. I want to write it out. Like, I want to see what's at the end of this. And because of the way the education system is set up, we don't provide those opportunities. Some schools do. Some schools are project-based and all about STEAM. But for the most part, our public education system isn't set up in that way to entice the kids, you know? Yeah, Yeah. and I I see that. And I I, I love that you brought up that we got to keep kids excited about things, Um, create that momentum, like you said, the STEAM, if you will, and keep them just going uh, and, and going back to your puzzle analogy where I, I heard a, a statistic a little while ago saying that like um, I think like 40% of the puzzle is done in like the last hour or something like, like it, you know, cause people start doing it and they have to build the, the outside and then they're trying to piece together all the stuff. But it, when it gets to that last little bit, everybody's like, Oh my gosh, this is so close. And they start all tip pitching in and, and putting their last pieces in. And it's because you got that momentum and you can see the picture more clearly yes. and, and things. And I, I think if we can kind of take that analogy, I guess, and relate it to education create that steam, that emo- that momentum behind it and keep them, you know, selling forward into uh, 
you know, their senior year where they're just not like, you know, glazed over in class anymore. Exactly. They, they are excited. And, you know, there always be those students that just, they're just excited about learning or whatever. And, and kudos to them. None of my kids have been quite that way. Well, my oldest daughter was a little bit that way, but. Hey, it's Adam. And I wanted to just jump in here real quick because I wanted to let you know that I am rooting for you. And that if you are ready to take your life to the next level, and maybe you're not sure exactly what you need to do, let me tell you, it all starts with your mindset. It all starts with how you're thinking about yourself, how to really visualize what you want in life. And if you feel like you need a little bit of help in that area, I have this workbook. It's called Mindset for Success to really help you take your life to the next level. And you can grab a free copy of that workbook right now for free at arisetoconnect.com slash mindset for success. In this workbook, you're going to learn the do's and don'ts of what you should and shouldn't be doing when it comes to how you think and look at yourself in your life. And it's full of questions that you can ask yourself to really start evaluating what you want and where you want to go. So go ahead and feel free to grab that free copy of Mindset for Success right now. Again, at arisetoconnect.com slash mindset for success. And go and grab your free copy today so that you can start taking your life to the next level. And now let's get back into the episode. You know, it's just- And I feel like my kids love learning. They just don't like doing it in right. school. Like we played, you know, we're, we're big nerds here. So we play Dungeons and Dragons every Sunday over awesome. here as like our family, cool. you know, Sunday bonding time. Um, and the kids just get so creative. They bring in like historical aspects into the game. There's obviously some math in there with the dice sure. rolling. I feel like we cover, we, I always joke about this. I was like, as a teacher, we're covering like every subject here, guys. We're just missing some science. Awesome. Um, but it it's, kids do love to learn. It's just, we have to make sure that we're nurturing them and providing them a setting where they want to do it in that brick and mortar, right. In that building that they walk into every, or now it's virtual, but you know what I mean? Um, We want to make sure that they have that same feeling in there and not that they're walking into these buildings, dreading their day and that they only get to do something exciting when they walk out. That is where that shift needs to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I agree 100%. And I, <laughs> I, I, I want to kind of bring up uh, another point about education is uh, as a, a culture or a society, we have kind of placed this like natural progression on education, right? And there's, there's such a thing as um, being educated without having to go through the, the same process as education that we all think of when it comes to at least Western education, right? In the U S and, and Canada and, and so forth. Um, because up until like, just like 200 years ago or so, if you wanted to learn how to do something, like you went and found the person who did it and you learned from them. Mm-hmm. Like that really has that, that's, that's how you were. You were an intern, you were a mentor, you were, or you found a mentor. If you wanted to be a blacksmith, you went and learned from the blacksmith, right? You were his apprentice. And I I think so oftentimes now that we feel like we have to graduate from high school, we have to go to college and then we get a job and, and there's just this, this progression that we have to go through. And if we don't go on that exact path, that there's something wrong with us. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think that's the case. 
I don't think we have to go. Uh, higher education is not for everybody. Mm-hmm. And there's very successful people who have not either gone to college at all or they dropped out. You know, mm-hmm. Steve Jobs never graduated from college. Uh, Mark Zuckerberger was in Harvard when he decided to drop out and do Facebook. And, you know, he's one of the richest people in the world now, right? I mean, there's all kinds of stories of people who are very successful. And those people usually are like we were talking about before, are the the think outside the box people, right? They're very creative. They came up with things that they could see a, a gap in, uh, you know, what people wanted or needed. And they, they, figured out a way to fill that gap and they've become very successful at doing that. I guess my point is, is uh, education doesn't need to be just a school thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, it's funny because I know the typical thing, the thing I should say (laughs) is that, nope, this is the path. I'm an educator and this is the path I want them to follow. And that's why I always say I'm like your unconventional math consultant (laughs) because I go the other way. Um, I totally agree with you. And I think what ends up happening is that, like you mentioned, people will drop out, right? But also that we spend so much money getting these degrees and then end up doing something completely different. I think I read the stats on this a little while back, but in in a person's life, they change careers around three times. That's like the average. Yep. I mean, one thing just to start off, I think it's absolutely ridiculous at 18 for kids to decide at that moment what they want to do for their forever. That is a rough, follow an 18 year old around. They don't even know what they want to eat at lunchtime (laughs) and hang out with their friends. You cannot have them pick their future at that point. Exactly. Should we have general classes where kids can kind of figure it out along the way? Sure. Right. We also have to keep that same mentality if students are going into college, the same mindset that I'm talking about now with elementary kids. It's like keep it enticing and engaging and where they want to strive for something. The reason why Zuckerberg and they didn't fit in the box, they wanted, they came out of the education system because it was confining them and they couldn't get to their excellence. They couldn't get to their you know, brilliance by being kind of stuffed into that box, right? So they left it. And, and it's not to say that I'm encouraged, I'm not encouraging people to not try it. I just think that it doesn't have to be the societal norm that we, I mean, in general, it's a social construct we're creating. We're saying the right steps is high school, then college, then nine to five job. I don't necessarily agree with the nine to five thing either. I hate to say it because there's a whole slew of issues there. We don't need those steps in order to be successful. It's like you mentioned, it's, it's about finding a trade, finding something that you're passionate about and pursuing that. Now, do I believe that you have to put in time and invest time to be your best self in whatever that is? Sure. Because I think that's the only way you get better and where you will yourself feel more fulfilled. Um, but I, I really think we push kids down this college path and I, and I don't necessarily know if they're, if we're creating a society that feels fulfilled right. or if we're, you know, boxing them in, you know, yeah. are we boxing them? Is that why there's so many career changes in adults? Because they felt like they've had to pick something and it was not the right thing for them. Yeah. For so sure. I, I have two older boys that um, are currently in college and, you know, growing up, 
I had the mindset again, you know, after coming out of a foster home and everything, oh, you guys have to follow this path, get good grades, you need a scholarship, blah, blah, blah. And now they're in college and it's funny because they're like, whoa, mom, you're totally different. I'm like, yeah, just do whatever you guys want to do. Like try that class. You can't hurt to try, you know, do this. My son took a year off and he didn't know if he was going to go back. And I was like, listen, whatever you end up doing, just put your all into that. If it's not school, it's not school. He wants to go in for diplomacy. So he really just wants to learn a bunch of languages, honestly, and use that somehow. Um, And that's cool. You know, the other one wants to be an artist. Go that route. I'm okay with it. But I think we need to nurture that in, in our kids because we give the wrong message if we're saying only follow these steps. Um, it's just going to, I think, hurt them in the long run. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I, I I love the fact that you have kind of shifted your mindset from where you were when your kids were younger to where they are now. And you're like, yeah, if, if that's your passion, then go for it. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I do agree that there is certain professions you need to go to school for. Like if you mm-hmm. want to be a doctor, guess what? You need to go to school. <laughs> oh, right? I would hope so, yes. <laughs> if you want to be a lawyer, you need to learn about law. Uh, there, there's definitely certain things, but there's so many degrees out there that, like you say, like you get a degree and then they don't ever use it. Like I, yeah. I work with people in the aerospace industry. They're, I remember one lady, her degree was in culinary arts, and here she was a director over a division. And it's like, how do you go from a degree in culinary arts to a director in aerospace? Like it doesn't make any sense. So, um, you know, I so think also people. that like we only give kids the same 10 careers to choose yeah. from too, when they're younger. Right. Like it's like, well, you can be a doctor, lawyer, teacher, scientist, you know, like we give them the, I know that they take that test where it kind of gives them possible, oh, you know, yeah. that test that they take. <laughs> and I, I remember doing it, I think when I was in middle school, um, I have a funny story me. about that test, actually. But yeah, what happened? Oh, I I remember taking that test you're talking about. Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think it was like seventh grade or something when I took it. Anyways, yeah, I, I remember, and I I didn't take it serious. Like I didn't know what it was for. I was just like, what is this stupid thing? <laughs> and you you had to go in and you had to pick like what are two careers or whatever that you wanted to go into. And so I went down the list and I found like the dumbest things I could find in my opinion, like at that age. So I, I think I marked like barber and bartender. Not that there's anything wrong with those, but I'm like, those were like two of like the weirdest things on the list. Like I want to be a barber and a bartender. And so I marked those on. And then I remember in my senior year, uh, my, I went and met with my counselor to make sure I was still, you know, online with, graduating and everything and they literally pulled out my folder and that thing was right on top that stinking test and i'm like that stayed with me like my permanent record for like ever uh, and i was just blown away like really a seventh oh seventh grade like i mean i was what 12 they're all sudden <laughs> like what do you want to be what are you going to go into and and it's just crazy like it blew me away oh, that that was still in my record so I have um, I have a funny story that I'd like to share, but literally only my family knows this. So this is going to be the <laughs> well, first now time everybody I'm... who listens to the show. <laughs> so if you're listening, please don't share this out. <laughs> only my family knows this. Um, so I took that test and I remember it being asking questions like, do you like this? Do you like that? I have same as you. I was not taking it serious. I kind of was in a different place when I was in a, you know, younger yep. because of my home situation. Sure. Um so I remember it vaguely. I know we took it during home ec. 
everyone was excited to get their results back of yeah. what, you know, options they would have. And mine was, okay, everyone listening, keep this a secret because no one knows this. Um, I got back truck driver <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with truck drivers no. at all. But I really had a moment there like, wow, this is the only thing that came up for me <laughs> as like a potential career. And I held on to that for a long time. Like, oh man, I know sometimes my language is foul. So I could see that maybe with truck drivers, <laughs> but I don't, I didn't really see where the connect. I'm a terrible driver actually. So I don't know what the connection was at all. Um, so my immediate family, we all know this and they joke around with me because oftentimes when I go to math conferences, I just finished writing two uh, books in a series. So I get all these people saying like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. This is wow, I can't believe you did this. And this is so cool. And my family's always in the background, like, yeah, that's good for this truck driver over here, because they know <laughs> what that test came back, for, you know, what it came back for and what that did to like my mindset. Yeah. When my son was older, he had like, I think they gave him more options as, as I don't know, they gave the test and he had some type of scientist for every single option that they gave him. So I'm like, oh, well, clearly, do you want to go into science? He's like, no, I want to write. <laughs> so he writes, he's, you know, doing this diplomacy thing. It goes to show you, like we were saying earlier with tests, it's such a small picture. And sometimes it doesn't even relate. Like it doesn't even show who the child is and who, yeah. you know, who they are as a being. I mean, I, I personally don't see myself as a truck driver. I mean, I could maybe <laughs> deep down have some of those character traits in there, but I'm, yeah, I got the tickets to show you. I'm not a good driver. So, oh, um, yeah, that, so no one share that story because that's, that's private. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And, and it, it's really interesting because as a, you know, moldable, moldable child, you get results like that from a test like that. And you're like, Oh, is that what I'm destined to be? Is that what yeah. my, my path is like truck driver or barber or whatever? Right. Like, and it and there's actually there's my daughter my second daughter she loves studio c i don't know if you know studio c on youtube they're they're kind of this comedy kind of like saturday night live type uh oh. anyways they do all these funny skits and stuff but uh they do one skit where they actually make fun of that test where they these kid the people are all taking a test and they're all like you know getting like oh you're gonna be a lawyer you're gonna be a doctor or different thing and this one guy keeps getting like i'm gonna be a trash man and it doesn't like matter like what how he changes his test. They're doing it on like iPad, so it like calculates oh, immediately. And they gave him the same answer. Yeah. Time. So like every time he like changes his answers, he's like, "You're a trash man. You're a trash man. You're." And uh, anyways, but he's like getting upset. He's like, "How can I be a trash man?" Like, you know, because that's really how it is. Like we identify with what those tests tell us. Exactly. We make that as our identity. That's yeah. why I struggled with that test for so long because again, nothing knocking that industry at all. Right. Um, I mean, it's completely needed, but as a kid, you, you know, you're, you're told, I think I was also upset that I only had an option. I didn't have all these other options like yeah. my friends, you know, which I think was like another issue mm. there too. So you're already feeling low, you know, in school, you're not feeling well, your confidence is low. And then we do these things to kids that just could, you know, either make them feel better or make them feel worse. And oftentimes it makes them feel worse. So, um, so now I laugh at everyone who knows that truck driver <laughs> story. Like, ah, that's great. I'm, I'm, I know math now. So <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you, you shared that. That that's, that's wonderful. Um, 
And so, God, there's so many, we, we could continue this conversation for like ever, I think, but, um, there, there's so many things and, and I don't love to bring like politics into my show, but I think there is some politics at play with the education system and what we were talking about with higher education and feeling like you have to go and get a degree and you have to build up all this debt to uh, go to school. And, and uh, it's just, it's almost like it's a broken system in many ways. And it's pretty disheartening from a parent standpoint who's looking at kids. I mean, my five daughters, I'm, I'm sitting there like, what is their path? Like, do they really have to go to school? And I, I tell them all the time, like, if you want to go to school, like go to school, I get it. Like I went to school and I, I felt it was important for me and I wanted to prove to myself that I could do it, but I don't think that you necessarily have to go to school. And, and with you being an educator, I know you, you're kind of unconventional, but um, you know, most people in your industry would say, no, school is like, like you have to get an education or you're going to fail or you're going to be flipping burgers at McDonald's or whatever. And uh, I don't think but that's I think true. we've proven that that's not the case, right? I, I mean, if so. you look at all these different careers that kind of stemmed out of nowhere, like we were talking about before, social media manager, we didn't know Instagram was going to exist and there would be a person to manage all that. So right. I don't think that that old, you know, that's an old mentality of if you don't go to college, you're going to end up in this, you know, type of career. I think you can invent a career at this point. True. You can literally invent it. And I think, you know, what you mentioned earlier, um, I, I say that saying all the time, the school system, the education system is broken. It is. It, it's not a, it might be, it's, it's, yeah. it's not, you know, there, there's no gray here. It is broken. And I think that's why we have to work so hard to reform it. Yeah. But I think it takes loud voices to do that, you know, because we've, you said it earlier in the show, like we have had the same education system for so long. All we're doing is adding more homework and more tests and more work. There's more teacher burnout, more stress. We need to pull back. We need to pull back and figure out like what at the core is our mission here. At the right. core, we want kids to be able to function in the society, whatever that society looks like. So how do we do that? And I think that's a question that schools need to address. But I also think it's a, a question for parents as well, yeah. because I think with parents, now I'm going to flip it and speak on the other end as a parent. I think I'm very loud and vocal with my school district. They're sick of me, <laughs> but I'm very loud and vocal because I know what to advocate for because I can see it. But I think with parents, it's very difficult to know what should I be fighting for? Is this okay? Like, I think it's okay as a parent to be like, my kid's spending two hours on homework. This doesn't feel right. right. We're allowed to say that, but the way the hierarchy of how school parent relationships have always been is the school knows best and the parents just have to follow and support. When I really think that, you know, it really should be a collaborative effort, right? right? Where we take in all the strengths that the parents have and all of their culture and everything that they're bringing to the table and use that in our classrooms as well. Mm. You know, I, I really would love to see the shift in the parent-teacher relationship because for, and, and, and I think it depends on the cultural background too. I know for Latinx people, we just stay quiet and we do what the teacher says because that's a form of respect. That's how we show respect for the elders, for the teachers. We don't question their right. authority. Yep. But 
I do think we need to question authority. And I think that's why I always say like, it's that little rebel in me against education that, you know, I mean, obviously I'm in it and I'm trying to make it better, but I think we make it better by speaking up and mm-hmm. saying, hey, this is not okay. Hey, my kid cried because he got a 40 on a test. I don't think you have to, you know, uh, I, I don't think anything that, you know, kids get upset. So, you know, anytime your kid's upset, I'm sure you don't have to like go into the school and be like, my kid's upset. But if a kid gets a grade and is identifying themselves with that grade, I think that's a conversation to have with the teacher. I think it's a conversation to have with the teacher. Tell me what my child is doing right. Tell me the good things that you see within my child. And I think it's difficult for parents to get there because we've never seen that before. We've never seen a society where parents are like, hey, wait a second, hold on. I want to question this piece. Um, We just, we always comply so I'm speaking to, you know, on a, on a parent end of it, yeah. um, you know, that, yeah, I guess I'm telling everybody, parents, teachers, everyone alike, stop complying <laughs> and just change this bad boy up. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I really like that because, um, my, so our, we have a, a 10 year old, our, one of our daughters is 10 and yesterday she was just, she was off. Like she was upset. And I'm like, what's going on? What's, what's happening? Like she was fighting with her sisters and she's usually like our little, just like little angel. She's very good. And, and she was fighting with the twins and just being a little pill. And, and I'm like, what is going on? Like what, what's happening? And I, I just pulled her aside and I'm like, what, what's, what's the deal? Like, she's like, I don't know. I, I don't want to go to school. And she literally said that. And I said, why? Why don't you want to go to school? And she just started crying. And uh, there was something they were learning that she just didn't understand. She didn't get it. And so she had this this anxiety about going to school because she thought she was dumb. And kind of like what you were just saying about, like, if the kid gets a 40 on a test, like, we need to have that conversation if they're upset about it and stuff. And and, uh, make sure they understand that, like, you know, you're not... You, your destiny is not determined by that one score or that one thing exactly. or that, right? Like, or that test where it says you're a truck driver or mm-hmm. like you are not confined by that test, that result. Like you can determine what you want in life and what you want to become. And if you put enough time, effort and focus into it, like you can do anything you put your mind to. And I think, I think that's really like what we've got to get around, like, and, and this conventional, you know, in the United States, we, we, we do have like a structured education system and it, it, it doesn't like we all, we've been talking this whole episode, this whole time is it, it doesn't have a focus of empowering the kids. It doesn't have a focus of, uh, focusing them on what to do to be successful it's just like, you just got to learn this, mm-hmm. memorize it, and then forget it. Like, that's what it's a it's, factory system. Yeah. It's it, a factory it really system. And if you look yeah. at other countries, like other countries are doing so much better in education. Like the United States is not the leader in education. Oh, no. I mean, no. we're far from it. I mean, <laughs> like you say, we're just cranking them out like a factory. And but you go over to like Asia, like they, they put emphasis on, you know, meditation and and uh, mindset and how to be focused and how to, you know, they teach different things. 
and you go over I, to Finland and they don't give homework. Like there's no homework in Finland. Like there's, there's yeah. all these countries that we could like model our education system after that are having great results. And yet we're just still just like, Nope, where we've been doing this for 200 years, we're going to keep doing it. And yeah, just, absolutely. It, it and and even going back to grades, there's, I think it's Finland, actually, I want to say that they give feedback as opposed to grades. Yeah. Hey, Adam, I noticed that for, you know, three plus four, you got this, you know, you did this great with this visual. I'm wondering if you can try three plus eight, whatever, you know, some type of feedback that you give yep. to the student as opposed to a grade where they're, I did something that's constructive for them. Oh, my teacher likes that I did this. So this is awesome. And then, you know, my teacher wants me to work on this. That seems, that feels a little bit better yeah. than 35% or 75%, you know? And I'm throwing yeah. that 75% in there because some kids feel like that's a failure. Like that grade isn't right. great. So um, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the education systems in other places, I don't think anybody has it figured out perfectly. No. Um, so we don't have like really an ideal model to look after, but I do think that we need to humanize the education system in things like caring about the students as a whole, everything we've been talking about today is really building up their self-esteem, yeah. caring about them as these little humans, because that's what they are. <laughs> They're not right. numbers to us and yeah. making them feel like they can tackle everything. There's a reason why all these kids love these superhero movies. It's because they want to feel that, that empowerment, yeah. that, that um, adventure, that, I'm also a comic book needs nerd, so I'm throwing this in there because no, I, I think I, I feel this too. But <laughs> who doesn't want to be one of those comic book characters, right? right? You go on a, uh, you fight the bad guy, you go on an adventure, you, you, like those things are engaging and fun, and you want to be the hero in your own story. And our education should look that way, where we're making kids feel like the heroes, where they are the heroes, yeah. and we we're not seeing that. And ways to humanize it, like you said, is to do things like mindfulness, give them a break in school. Yeah. <laughs> like they get this short amount of time to just like talk to each other and, and, and collaborate with the other little humans around them. And then they got to yeah. get back to work. And then we send them home and we give them more work to do. Like the, even that piece is, is not going well for us. But I think you're right, Adam. I think it's about like humanizing what education looks like for us. Yeah. I, I yeah, so true. And <laughs> uh, yeah, I, and we could carry on this topic for forever because <laughs> there's just so many things about it. And uh, I, I mean, we could get into, you know, teachers aren't paid well enough in the United States. Mm -hmm. if, if the United States dumped half as much money into education as they do in defense, like, we would have smaller classrooms. We would have higher paid yeah. teachers who really did care more about helping the student. And, there's, and not to say that there's not teachers out there to do, but for some teachers, it's just, it, it, it's, they probably start out most of them as I want to help and, and change these students' lives. And then they get into it and they, they get stuck in the bureaucracy and they get stuck in the, the monotony and they, they have to fight with not only the students, but the parents and the, the educationers, you know, the others, um, you know, the board of the school board and, and all this stuff. And, 
and eventually it's just they get tired. They get they lose yeah. momentum, right? And, you're uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think th- there's every single teacher goes into it with the mindset of I want to make the yeah. world a better place. I want to work with children. I want to make them feel this way in the ways that we all yep. just you know shared up in this show. But w- just like I was saying, like we we dim the lights of our students that passion that they come in with. We do the same thing with teachers through all these mandates. And that's where I feel that it's not really the teachers at fault. It's really the system is wrong. The system is broken, but I think that we can only change it through reform. Just as I was saying, parents often don't feel like they have a voice and can advocate for things. Teachers feel the same way. If I speak up, I'm going to get fired. I'll lose my tenure track. I'll they're constantly living in fear, honestly, teacher. And there's a high rate of teachers leaving the profession now. And COVID just intensified that, you know, they just increased that rate. So a hundred percent, I totally agree with you. I think that they go into it trying their best and, and every day doing the best that they can, but they're working in something that doesn't work. The system that's around them isn't working for them, just like the system around our students isn't working for them either. It's almost like they're in the same, they're like in parallel places, our students and our teachers. So yeah, 100% agree. And it's really sad. And and it is really sad with the the current pandemic that so many teachers, my wife and I have talked about this because there are times we get frustrated with the teachers. And then I step back and I'm like, you know what, they're doing the best they can. Like, uh, they're trying to figure out how to do this online thing. And our, our, our kids actually go to school, but there's at any time if they have too many COVID cases, they can shut the school down and it's all online. And so they're like, oh, okay. okay, are we, are we doing in class this week? And then next week we could be doing online. Like they've got to be flexible. Oh, wow. And it's just, it's this horrible atmosphere right now. And honestly, I don't, and, and the kids are, there's, there's no um, stability either. Like there's no schedule. And it's hard to get in rhythm when you're like, uh, you know, all this crazy stuff going on. And not only that, but teachers, elementary teachers specifically have to fight with students about everything, right? Like stop fighting, stop touching each other, stop picking your nose, stop, you know, all this stuff. And now it's like you add in mask on top of that. Like you have to put your mask on, put your mask on, keep your mask on, keep your mask on, put it over your nose, put it over your nose. Like. I mean, they just probably get tired. Like they're a broken record. Oh my record. goodness. Imagine telling a bunch of five-year-olds that all day. I know. Like, I mean, my, my kids hate wearing their mask over their nose and on their face in general. But like, I can't imagine a teacher having 25 students and having to keep them all on task with all the mm-hmm. different things they have to keep track of. And, you know, Sally quit touching Johnny and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and like, it's just, it, it wears them down over time. Yeah. And, uh, it, it, it is a broken system. And I think yeah. that through reform and through people like yourself and, and parents on my end who can speak up and say, Hey, we need to change. We need to fix this. Uh, real change can happen over time. And so, um, I'm so glad that you're doing that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's the goal. The goal is to get, you know, to, to start a rally, right? Get people yeah. to, 
feel that they can make a difference and even children as well. Like I, I really encourage students to advocate for themselves as well. Sure. You know, we always see teachers and, you know, any adults in our life as the authority as you know, that is a societal norm. Right. Yep. Yep. But I think that, you know, we should also teach our kids to stick up for themselves. They stick up for themselves when it's a bully or someone that's their peer. Right. But they can be able, you know, I, I, I hope that they get enough courage to say like, you know, this, there, I had a lot of work last night, miss you know, whatever. Um, and it was really hard for me. And, you know, and then a conversation can start from there. So it doesn't always have to be parent to teacher, but students can really stick yeah. up for themselves and, and, you know, just kind of share how they feel about things too. Um, but that, that I think is a longer road to go down. First, we have to kind of start with like setting those norms in adults, I think. Right. So I, I'm hoping that my work will, you know, get, people rolling in this direction. I don't think change will, I don't think the reform will be around the corner, no. you know? I think it's gonna take time sure. and I think it'll be a process, but I'm hoping to that at least people see that there's a need for it. And then that way we can start moving towards that direction. So I appreciate you having me on here and letting me rant about <laughs> all the things that are wrong in the ed system that I'd like to fix. <laughs> so it's not every day that someone's like, yeah, come talk about that, you know, because usually we're giving the other message on school's great and everything's great. Yeah. But I like to shine a light on those spots that are dark and in the corner of <laughs> the things that we have to kind of address. So I appreciate you giving me time to chat about that. Oh, I, I appreciate it because, um, you know, I think it is something that needs to be addressed. It's something that needs to be looked at. And, uh, you know, like I say, having five daughters, like it's, it's been a struggle for us as parents. And I can't imagine any parent feeling at some level and teachers as well. It, it's like I say, mm -hmm. it's like we've talked about the It's the system itself that mm -hmm. needs to be looked at. It's not specifically parents. I mean, there's always going to be the problem teachers. There's always going to be the problem students. There's always going to be the problem yeah. parents. Um, but in a whole, if we can just focus on how do we make the system better and not just mm -hmm. try to pile on like, okay, let's just, uh, let's change how we do homework or whatever. Like, no, like we need real reform. And so, um, I'm grateful on my end for you sharing your message and come, being willing to come on my show and to share what you're doing. And, you know, even though it's probably frowned upon in some of the academic world and, and arenas that you run in, it's, it's so needed. And, uh, I'm, I'm glad that you're standing up and, and, you know, sending this message out there. So, um, kudos to you. I, I really do appreciate it. It's, it's needed. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, hopefully I won't get too much flack for it, but you're right. Not everyone <laughs> feels I should be sharing it, but I think that's why teachers like working with me because I, we talk about the real stuff, you yeah. know, like, okay, this, this doesn't work. How can we make this better instead of just kind of like, you know, putting a bandaid over it and, and calling it a day. So exactly. um, awesome. I appreciate you letting me be in my raw, real form here. So. I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing it really like that. That's amazing. So thank you so much for, for what you're doing. And, and we need, we need so many more people like that to really make headway on this problem in our, our education system. So, um, anything I can do to help bring any light to that is I'm, I'm all for it. So it's, it's awesome. Thank so. you. Thank you. I appreciate that.
So I want to just kind of start wrapping things up because I have taken so much of your time, but it's been so such an amazing conversation and I, I really have enjoyed it. I can't believe we're over an hour already, but because um, oh I, I think we could talk so, yeah. <laughs> so much more about this stuff. Um, maybe we need to do a follow up, uh, you know, episode later. But um, so where can people who want to know more about what you do, what your your uh, your concepts, your perspective or, or just reach out to you and say, Hey, I really liked what I hear. What can I do to, to get you to, maybe there's uh, educators that are also listening to this and, and want to have you come and speak to them. Where can they get a hold of you? Yeah. So, um, so a couple of things, anybody can get a hold of me through my website, zendmath.com. Um, so I, I offer a couple of things that I just want to make teachers aware of. Um, there's a membership that I have where I actually break down pretty much a lot of the things that we talked about, but what it can look like in their classroom. So all the things we were talking about math, like how can we actually make math enjoyable and relatable and culturally relevant and respect people's identities? How do we do that? I give them the solution for that in my membership. So I provide videos in there and then we have one-on-one -on -one coaching where I actually help them carry it through. Another issue that we didn't talk about, and I'll keep this quick in education is that we throw teachers into like a webinar mm. And then say, okay, learn this. And okay, now you're good to go. But we don't give them the support to yeah. like back it up as they're implementing. So my okay. membership offers that. For parents who are just interested in like how this math can look differently, how education can look differently, I would just recommend following me on my social media channels on Facebook, Instagram. If you go to Zend Math there, um, I post all the time today awesome. I did a division post on something that's like no stop doing this please um <laughs> so you can definitely and it's and it's not just math I know my business is called zen math but as you know I mean we talked about everything and anything today it really is me trying to change the education system Absolutely. so you'll find on social media that I really talk about all the things um so yeah for parents I would recommend going on my social media channels and for teachers um, if they go to zenmath.com, they can find out more about my teacher membership there. Perfect. Uh, that's that's amazing. And for those listening and you want to uh, click on those, I, I will have those links underneath this episode, whether you're watching it on YouTube or listening to it on the podcast. Uh, you can go and reach out to uh, Rosa, Rose Alba. <laughs> Rose Alba. I, I will get that right. I promise. Um, you got it. You got it. <laughs> and, uh, and you can reach out to her and connect with her or go check out the resources that she has available to really help uh, start a movement and create some momentum behind this reform that needs to happen in our education system. Uh, I, I feel strongly about it and I'm, I'm, my wife and I will probably sit down and go check out some of those resources ourselves because uh, we still have young kids. I mean, our youngest are still seven, so we still have a long road ahead of us through the <laughs> education system. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. Uh, I, I truly appreciate your insights and just the conversation in general has been so great. And uh, thank you. I, I, I really do appreciate it. So um, before we, we kind of wrap up, though, I do like to always kind of say or ask this last question and, and we can tweak it a little bit, but, uh, if you were to say that there's one or two to maybe three things that someone needs to do to unleash the greatness within themselves, or let's say unleash the greatness within their student, what would that be? Ooh. Okay. Um, so one would be, um, 
affirmations. <laughs> I know that's probably a little bit out there, but I strongly believe in affirmations. I think it's what gets us through the day. I don't think we utilize them enough. I think that it's okay to use affirmations and build your confidence, you know, and, and to say all the things that you know deep down you are. Yeah. I am a smart person. I am capable of doing this. I am a good friend. I am a kind soul. I think that if we wake up and truly use affirmations and have our kids use them as well. So they're starting that habit early on. I think we would really believe in, in ourselves and have that confidence. There's a confidence gets a bad rep. If you're overconfident, people think you're cocky. I don't believe in that. Be confident, own it, own it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, there's a difference between confident and being a jerk, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. You don't want to be a jerk, but you know, you, you can say like, you're awesome at things, you know, and that, and that's okay too. Um, so I think affirmations is one way or one habit. I think, you know, we can build in order to kind of unlock, unleash that. Um, and I think, um, the other one I would say is that there's, so there's something that I heard in a classroom that a teacher said to a student, and I actually, it like hit my soul really hard. And I actually have it like written down on my desk <laughs> so I can keep it in mind. So this yeah. teacher told this student one day, no one is you and that is your power. And wow. I was like, oh my goodness, that is so simple, but so deep because we're in this world where we're comparing ourselves to one another and always worried about what people think of ourselves. And if we just went into it with, again, that confidence and being comfortable in your own skin, I know that there are other people probably saying the same thing I'm saying in math education, maybe. Um, But no one's saying it like Rosalba, no one's saying it quite like me. So like I have, you have to be able to embrace how amazing you are and not um, hold back because you feel that that's what you should do Mm. because that's how society deems it, right? So I think like owning that you are unique and that's okay and live in that and relish in that and embrace that. Um, And then that's contagious. So kids will pick that up if we do that ourselves. Yeah, awesome. I love that. And, you know, of all the people I have interviewed so far, you were the first one to bring up affirmations. And that kind of surprises me because they really are a powerful tool. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. And and just to tell yourself those things. I am powerful. I am smart. I am kind. I am, you know, and then and then having that that mindset that you are a hero and that it's okay to be in, an individual and to be you. And yes. you don't need to conform to what everybody thinks you need to be like. It's okay. I told you a little bit earlier about my my seven-year-old daughter who uh, they want to do the test on. And we, we had to sign a paper saying it was okay to run the test. And we, we marked, no, we don't want her to take the test because we don't want her to have that stigma of, oh, I have to go take these special tests. We really do feel that she will be her and she will succeed in whatever she decides to put her, her mind into. And I, I do know that there's a place for that, um, that, those tests and that there are kids that probably do need to be diagnosed with certain things. But I I think, you know, I think you need to have faith as a parent. Don't like, don't let what you feel should be the right thing to do as far as the school system make, you know, determine your decision. You're the parent. So you know what your child is capable of and she's young. So maybe right now, if she's struggling in an area, 
let's say that the teacher is saying, the question might be, okay, well, what support can we provide her then if, if this is the area that she's struggling in, you know? And again, saying, I want to also hear my child's strengths doesn't necessarily mean it has to go straight to a test, but like, what, what can we do around this if you're seeing something? Yep. Um, but I think, you know, going back to the affirmations, you're, when we do those things, like the testing and all that stuff, that's when we start getting all those negative mindsets. Right. We determine our identity very young. So if we were to use all those affirmations early on, I think that we would really breed like a society that truly believes in themselves and doesn't have all this doubt and fear and, you know, people that are not willing to take the leap in something because they're, they hold themselves back. We hold ourselves back and we hold yeah. ourselves back because of what society has like conditioned us to, to do. So if we kind of just break that and start affirming, affirm all over the place, do it in the supermarket, when you're getting dressed, <laughs> all the time, everywhere, you might sound crazy, it's okay. That's but awesome. if we do that, then we actually start believing in it. If I took, if I took everything I've been told when I was a kid, based off my life, based on my background, the group home, the foster home, if I truly let all those words identify me, I would not be here right now. Yeah. And I'm here because instead I chose to believe I'm smart, I'm kind, and I can do this. So I think what, you know, the words we say to others matter, but the words that we say to ourselves have a very deep impact. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. And and your story is amazing. Uh, I, I we, we, we got so wrapped up in our discussion about education and stuff that we, we just skimmed over your story, but it, it really is amazing that you went from where you were as a, in the foster care system to being this amazing, uh, educator and woman, mother, uh, wife, and just out there promoting reform in the education. So thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for sharing your insights and your story. And, uh, yeah, just, just keep, going forward and pushing on. So I, you're doing a great work. So thank you so much for being on the show. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun and I yeah. talked a lot. So thank you. <laughs> no, that was good. Uh, <laughs> and for those who are listening, please go check out uh, the resources that Ros Rosalba can provide and connect with her if you have any questions or concerns. And, uh, you know, she, she has a lot to offer in this, this area of education reform. So please reach out to her, connect with her, go check out her resources. And for those of you who are listening, go out there and live your life fully, go and unleash your greatness today and have an amazing, fantastic day. And we'll see you in future episodes. Hey everybody, thanks for joining me today. And I really appreciate you being here and do me a favor. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe on your favorite uh, platform that you listen to podcasts on. And also leave me a message or a comment or a review. I, I just really appreciate it. Also, why I've got you here, if you are ready to take your life to the next level, I have a, an amazing program right now that's called Achievement Monthly. And this is a monthly program where you can come and learn every month from me, Adam Platt, Achievement Coach, and we're going to go, I'm going to go live every month. Come on and help you get to that next level in life, that next level of success, that next level of achievement. Because, you know, up till now, you've, you've done so well and you've done all you can. But sometimes you just need a little bit more help, a little bit more um, to get you to that next level. And that's what this program is really meant to be. 
And so it's uh, designed to help you, one, learn what you need to do to get to that next level. And two, it's also meant so that you can uh, network with other people. So we're going to train for about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And then we're going to break out into groups so that you can network with other people, get to know them and connect with them so that they can help support you in your goals, your dreams and create the life that you want. So if you are interested in joining that program for only $39 a month, you can go and register at arisetoconnect.com slash achievement. And I am so excited to see you there and to help you get to that next level in life because, man, that's where everything starts to go right and happen for you. So go again, register right now at arisetoconnect.com slash achievement. And I look forward to seeing you on the inside of that program and every month so that we can get you working towards that goal and that dream life that you want. Thanks and have an amazing day. Go out and make your life what you want it to be.